What's going on, guys? It is Michael Hunter. This is ACC Basketball Report, episode number 99. We're about to turn the century mark. Took us a long time to get here, but we are here. Um, today, I've got a great guest for you, a buddy of mine for the last few years, who I got to know through The Rockin' 25. We also uh, wrote at the same time for Fan Sided at Bustin' Brackets. Uh, he's been on the, the, the podcast before. He is Connor Hope, uh, who is... Uh, the partner of Brian Ralph in the what what was the Bustin Brackets podcast. They now have a podcast over at Heat Check. <clears throat> Fantastic guy, West Coast guy, very knowledgeable about programs that you may not be paying attention to. He is a WCC guy, huge Gonzaga fan. But as far as West Coast teams that maybe are on too late for you guys to stay up and watch, incredibly knowledgeable. Um, he, he's a guy that, you know, much like other guys in the Rockin' 25, you know, eats, sleeps, and breathes college basketball. It is, you know, his the priority. It's the topic of conversation at his podcast. Um, and, and again, in order to keep up with Brian Ralph, you got to be on top of your game to do a podcast each week. So uh, real happy to have him on. As always, the chimp joined us. Uh, we did have a little bit of a technical difficulty about an hour in. Um, as you guys know, I... Don't really believe in editing. I think it's part of the humor of the show, part of the uh, the lightheartedness of the show. That, and I'm extremely fucking lazy when it comes to time stamping things, and I'm not going to hunt stuff down. So you guys are just going to have to suffer through it. Um, we got through it pretty quick. So it's about uh, about an hour long show, which is what we're running now. I usually like to keep it between half hour and forty five minutes. You know, when we first started this podcast, but um, given given the guests that we've had and the things that we've been talking about lately, which is strange because there's no actual sports going on for the most part um, outside of the bubble and, and, and uh, Major League Baseball. We're actually having some really good conversations. It's been really entertaining, so we haven't been cutting anything short. Um, as always, follow the chimp at Carrie Chimp on Twitter. Um, I'm at ACCBR1 on Twitter. Uh, and obviously, uh, Connor is at Condorian FM on Twitter. Uh, really good conversation. We had a lot of fun. Um, it, it's it was a little bit of change of pace doing it in the middle of the week. We usually try to stick to Sundays and Mondays, but um, just some mitigating circumstances from the weekend um, cause us to have to kind of push it to the middle of the week. Um, we're gonna do an off-topic episode this weekend with a very interesting lady who works in we'll say the stock market industry, um, who has a very unique job that we're going to be looking into. I'm going to be way out of my element, um, but look for that over the weekend. It should be a lot of fun. In the meantime, here is Connor Hope of Heat Check College Basketball. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor, a Kogi. Joining the Chimp and I today is Connor Hope of Heat Check College Basketball now. Connor, what's going on, man? Not much. Just uh, dealing with the working from home, hanging out with my dog, and crossing my fingers that we have a full college basketball season this year. Oh, we're going to talk about that. I am I am uh, not optimistic. Um, how, how long have you been working from home now? It's been since March, April, right? Uh yeah, I've been working since about mid-March. I uh, went down to L.A. for a job, and that week, uh, California shut down. Um, and so came back up to the Bay Area, and I've been pretty much working from home ever since. So, Are you out of your mind with boredom yet? Um, not really. It's a, it's a healthy balance of working, video games, thinking about <laughs> what could be with the college basketball season. 
Jimp, what's going on with you, man? Oh, not much. Just uh, West Coast, man. West Coast. We had some good golf on the West Coast this weekend. Now we have a great guest from the West Coast on the pod tonight. So uh, talk a little Zags, talk a little ACC. Going to be fun. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. One of the things that uh, that uh, made me want to get Connor. Have you been on before? Have I had you on before? Uh, you had me on when uh, Brian and I both came on. That's right. That's um, right yeah. That was when. Yeah, we were still with Busting Brackets at the time. So um, <clears throat> it's been in a couple of months. How was uh, how has the change been treating you as far as as far as the move to Heat Check? I mean, it, it's it's great. Uh, you know the the roster that Eli put together over mm-hmm. at Heat Check. Um, Brian, myself, Lucas Harkins, uh, and Blake Lovell, um, for a little, for, you know, some, some pieces. So, you know, it's been great. Uh, I've gained a lot of momentum from the sim and, you know, I'm, I'm just loving it. It's, it's definitely a nice change of pace and, and has given Brian and I specifically with our podcast, um, a little bit more leeway with who we bring on and what we talk about. Yeah, isn't uh, weren't you kind of um, relegated to just people on the fan sided roster as far as guests at uh, at Boston Brackets? Yeah, and and the the ability to go out and and get our own, um, you know, talk to uh, SIDs and mm-hmm. and get in touch with players and coaches was just not something that uh, was on the on the table. So oh, wow. we're we're hoping to put together some interviews with you know, head coaches, assistant coaches, uh, people within the NCAA um, moving forward. And hopefully if there is a full season, we can we can get some people on uh, sooner rather than later. But yeah. we'll see. Um, you know, for those who don't know, uh, Connor, like like the chimp said, is a West Coast guy, um, huge Gonzaga fan. One of the, one of the, Gonzaga has obviously a huge following, but Connor is more well-informed and maybe more level-headed than, than some of the personalities out there on Twitter. Um, you know, received some good news outside of uh, the Philip Petrusev uh, defection to go pro in Europe. Uh, you get Kispert back, you get Ayayi back. What's uh, what are you looking at for Gonzaga this year? Yeah, I I think that they're a top, definitely a top three team. Mm-hmm. Um, Philip, I don't want to say that you you're ever going to want to lose in all conference conference player of the year, all American type player, but. Of the three, based on the style of basketball that they prefer to play and uh, the way the pieces fit together this year, I think Petrusev was the one that I was the least worried about if, if he left. Um, I kind of expected him to leave. Uh, I just don't know if his game is an NBA game and, and going overseas and playing uh, at home in Serbia was probably the, the right move for him. Um, I like the way they, they're set up. They're set up to run and play fast. And the best team that Gonzaga's put together, uh, the Rui and Brandon Clark team, uh, even the Nigel Williams-Goff team that year, were built to play an up-tempo style of basketball. And I think this this roster with Anton Watson, Corey Kispert, Ayayi, Jalen Suggs, um, is built to play fast. And having Drew Timmy start at the five as opposed to Petrusev, just allows them to to have a a guy at the five that can can at least keep up with, if not uh, kind of play that trailing five uh, in a in, in an up tempo offense. Uh, Petrusev was kind of limited to playing in a half court, and so you saw Gonzaga 
slow slow down and, and kind of stall the ball a little bit last year uh, because they were waiting for Petrusev to get down the floor, get into position, get um, the ball into him, and have him work down low. I don't think that we're going to see the same kind of stall ball from the Zags. Uh, it's going to be tough. There are two or three other uh, teams out there that I think could have a legitimate claim to being national title contenders um, early on, or at least national title favorites early on. And so um, it's going to be tough, but I think the Zags have a roster uh, and a coach that will put them in the top three uh, to start the season. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I, I'm, I've started now that the, the finalization has been made as far as uh, players going into the draft. Um, I kind of started to put my top 25 together. I, I think the top three right now, clearly, especially with Jay Huff coming back, is, is Virginia, Villanova, and Gonzaga. I think those are probably the three best teams in the country. Um, you know, Baylor, somewhere in that next tier, I think. Uh, even though I'm a little hesitant after the loss of, of Freddie Gillespie, especially on the defensive end. But um, everybody seems to be really high on Baylor. I'm not so high, but, you know, I still think they're one of the best teams in the nation. Um, what do you think? Yeah, call me a hypocrite on Michael, call me a hypocrite on that one because I, uh, Freddie Gillespie this year is a similar loss to Jordan Hunter for St. Mary's last year. And, you know, I was all over St. Mary's mm -hmm. and how they weren't going to be good because they lost a five that did everything for them um, outside of scoring. And uh, I, I don't have the same view as uh, a Baylor without Freddie Gillespie that I did uh, of St. Mary's last year without Jordan Hunter. I think they're going to be a pretty solid team. I'm looking for Tristan Clark to step up and, and play uh, that five or, or you know, yeah. Lothamba. Uh, That's a tough proposition I, given I his, health, his health concerns. Yeah. Um, but I do agree. Baylor is going to be much more of a, a guard-driven team. Uh, I don't think that they have the bigs necessarily to compete with Gonzaga, Villanova, um, and Virginia. But I do think that they're going to be good just because of the, the depth of talent and experience of talent that they have in that backcourt. Yeah, I mean, as far as you know, Gillespie goes, I, I mentioned the defense. But on the perimeter, as far as positions one through four, they are an elite defensive team. And that won't change with those four players returning. So, I mean, Baylor's still going to be very good. I'm just not sure that I, I, I trust them to be as dominating at times as they were last year. Um, I still think they're obviously going to be a top seven, eight team most of the season. Um, right. Before I get into a, a series of your tweets this morning regarding the ACC, I did want to touch chimp real quick on the PAC 12 and the big tens decision to basically cancel the season um, roughly a week after they announced the schedules um, what are your thoughts on what's going on in college football? Um, it's chaos. Yeah. It's, it really is. I mean, we talked about this, uh, with, uh, Tom Noy on a previous podcast that, you know, there's just no uniformity. Uh, you have the Big Ten, Pac-12 opting out. Uh, looks like the Big 12 is going to play. The SEC is going to play. The ACC is going to play. So, just... Very, very strange. The thing I will say is I still believe that these conferences that start the season are going to have a very, very difficult time getting to the finish line mm. um, based on what we've seen so far. Now, I hope they do, um, but, uh, you know, this thing can come to a halt at, at any minute. 
something bad happens uh, and it just comes to a screeching halt. So, you know, honestly, it's it's really just kind of makes me shake my head that there's, you know, not more uniformity amongst uh, the, the, the Power 5 leagues. It's really crazy. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that I, I had a conversation with a guy um, at work today, I think... Corona diagnosis as if as if it's a death sentence. I think, given its um, ability to be you know passed from one person to the other, makes it scary. I think that at some point, though, I mean, there's a lot of us that have probably already been infected and don't know it. There's a, probably a lot of us that are going to get it and will never know it. Um, I, I think one thing that really comes to mind when I heard that the ACC in particular was going to play is. You know, the ACC's leadership is still the same leadership that back in March before the conference tournament said flat out, we're not going to, you know, bow down to this disease. We're going to play our conference tournament. It's going to be business as usual. And then I think they played one night and, the you know, some of the stuff started spreading around locker rooms around the country. They immediately canceled the rest of the tournament and they kind of cowered down to it. I wonder how much talk of this is similar to that. Connor, your thoughts on the Pac-12 deciding to shut it down? That's that's your region of the country, as well as these other these other conferences deciding to keep playing. I mean, I finally got the Pac-12 network back. Um, <laughs> year without it, uh, I don't I don't think the Pac-12 not having a season is going to be as uh, critical or as moving as the Big Ten not having a, a full season. Um, it makes sense from a liability perspective, yep. just knowing California, Washington, and Oregon state laws regarding that waivers don't mean anything mm-hmm. um you can sign a waiver and if and if it's deemed that any sort of negligence uh occurred it's pretty much null and void so from, from a lawsuit perspective if any kid got ended up getting sick or got someone sick and they even if they had a waiver um it makes sense i, I just i i agree i think that what what's happening now is that we're seeing what I deem as an issue, but it, other people don't see it as an issue, is that the, the NCAA has no control over college football. Yeah. It is completely a conference-driven sport. And so um, Pac, the Pac-12, which isn't really a mover in college football, uh, made sense. I, I kind of thought they would be the first conference to, to cancel the season. Um, the Big Ten is a much bigger deal because the Big Ten is... is one of the bigger movers along with the SEC in college mm-hmm. football. And so uh, I could see the ACC just knowing the schools that are there making that decision um, to cancel. I think it, it, it'll be tough because obviously you've got Clemson who wants to play mm-hmm. um, and they're a national championship uh, contender pretty much every year now. Um, and I think the big 12 and, and the SEC are, are probably rearing to go, but I do agree with Chimp. There's just going to be a whole lot of issues, uh, especially if they're looking at it from the perspective of we need to shut this thing down the minute someone gets sick. Because um, it's not about if uh, without a bubble, it's about when. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just think that no matter what happens, every school in terms of college football is in a lose-lose situation because you either don't play and you get people mad at you for bowing down or, or making that rash decision, or you do play, and the minute someone gets sick, mm-hmm. it's sports media jumping on the same. See, see, we told you so. Um, 
I, I don't really care. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Either way, I'm not a huge college football fan. I, I, I'm a Notre Dame fan, and um, my partner went to USC, so obviously two pretty big football schools, but uh, when it comes to sports, they're kind of on the same level as, as ba- NBA basketball for me, where I'll watch it if they're good. If they're not good, I kind of uh, don't really have an opinion. Yeah, I lost about a dozen followers yesterday because I tweeted out that I don't give a fuck about college football anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, I, <clears throat> um, but I mean, it, it wasn't, and it wasn't me saying, you know, I, I don't care that there's not, I mean, like, I know it impacts the schools, especially monetarily. It impacts the kids and their ability to show their skills to get to the next level. You know, it impacts everybody, families. It impa- I, I understand, you know, it impacts the economy, certainly. Um, but all I was really saying in my not so articulate fashion of tweeting is my Saturday doesn't change. I'm going to watch the third round of some golf tournament instead of college football. It's just kind of how I roll. As far as the SEC goes, chimp, isn't it worth the risk for the SEC to play given the monetary implications and, and the vast amount of money that they make through college football each and every year? Easy answer. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I live in SEC country, grew up in SEC country. Um, I can't even really explain maybe to to Connor out on the West Coast just how big a deal it is. Uh, Not only uh, from a fandom standpoint, but economically it's just huge. Uh, You have a town like Auburn uh, that, you know, you you get, you know, 75,000, 80,000 people coming there on a weekend. The economic impact is huge. You take Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I read an article that said, I mean, the economic damage would be in the hundreds of millions of Mm -hmm. dollars for some of these towns. So the answer, absolutely, uh, Coach, is yes. It it has a huge impact. And I think that um, if there's one league that really, really needs to play football, it's it's the SEC. Connor, being on the West Coast and and part of the the Pac-12 region, how, you know, and, and you know, given the the location and the uh, I'm going to say left leaning kind of mentality out there, given you know California, Oregon. Um, I'm not sure about Washington, but I'm going to I'm going to lump Washington in there as well. Is, is there going to be any kind, or is there any kind of outrage among Pac-12 fans as far as them not having college football like we're going to like we would have seen in the Southeast? Not to the same degree. Um... I think that there is some pe- some people who who are upset about it, uh, and understandably, they're all fans of the teams sure. that were going to be relatively good. Um, I think you've got like Utah fans, uh, USC fans, uh, Washington fans. Although I haven't seen a lot of Washington fans upset, um, but not not as much, uh, especially in the Bay Area, Stanford and, and Berkeley. I have not seen anybody outraged that the seasons were canceled um i do think though that they're they're more blaming it on the lack of strict controls in the first place than they are on people actually going ahead and canceling the season um i i just i just feel bad i mean there are some programs that are going to be fine economically i don't think oregon is going to hurt an ounce just because papa knight's going to come in and throw his billions of dollars at the program if they need it sure um but I do think, I mean, as with anything, it's going, it's going to hurt uh, those teams that rely on, those, on football programs to sponsor their other sports. 
um, specifically programs like Stanford, which, you know, they, they might not be a big football program. I mean, they've had, a, they've had some good years, but they're, they're not a football school, but they are a good athletic school when it comes to all other sports. But obviously the, the money comes from their football program. So I think Stanford's going to be one of those schools that it was probably going to hurt the most just because they're a school that competes at a high level in non-money-making sports. Right. Well, Connor, I, I saw an article uh, regarding Stanford that they had to get rid of their uh, squash team, I believe. <laughs> and uh, that's not a problem in the SEC, I can tell you that. Do they even play squash in the SEC? <laughs> I, I don't even know if they know what squash is. It's a vegetable down here. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Um, I am having a little technical difficulty with the laptop right now. Um there we go. Um, one thing I did want to talk about before we get into Connor's tweets as well is just before um, <laughs> we jumped on this podcast, I, I saw that there was a memo shot out to NBA players and coaches regarding family members and basically close personal friends um, will be allowed inside the bubble at Disney World to visit players. And to me, the the underlying the underlying meaning of that is is somewhat hilarious because what it says to me is some of these guys just need to get laid and you know putting them in a bubble with no no outside contact is maybe taking a toll on their on their mental uh, situation. Connor, what are your thoughts on this? Um, the minute you allow people into the bubble, it's no longer a bubble. That's right. That's exactly uh, right. It's 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 going to cause issues. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily disagree. I think these players, especially in the playoffs, want to play in front of at least friends and family. Sure. Um, especially, you know, players that are either it's their first time playing in the playoffs or uh, they have a real shot at winning uh, the championship. I think that it makes sense. Um, I don't necessarily think that I agree with them being allowed into the bubble. Um I think that you can make it so that they can get into the stadium um, without access to the players and staff and coaches and everything like that. Uh, just because, I mean, if you really want it to work and you really want it to be a, a true bubble, you kind of have to uh, not have that intermingling. Um, I don't. I, I haven't seen all the details, so I don't know if they're requiring yeah, the family members to do any sort of quarantine, which would make. <laughs> it a little bit different but if it's just kind of they can come in and leave the bubble whenever they want um i think that defeats the whole purpose of a bubble not that i'm i'm saying it's a bad decision or it doesn't make sense um but i'm just saying that they can no longer call it a bubble if they let it pop so no and it it makes sense because i mean you basically removed these guys from their normal lives and stuck them in a, a like a confinement where they have no you know real contact with no real contact with friends family and things like that as far as you know mingling and and visiting and things like that having gone to multiple basketball camps or you know similar situations for a week and sometimes two I can tell you that you you start to get tired of your surroundings and regardless of how you know how good of terms you are with some people inside that situation you can start to wear on each other as well so some kind of outside contact would be I'm sure welcomed by these guys that are spending, you know, a few months um, secluded from their families. Chimp, your thoughts? Well, I agree with Connor that once you let people 
outside the bubble, inside the bubble, it is no longer a bubble. <laughs> now, outside of that, uh, I really don't care because <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't watch the NBA, Me don't neither. care about the NBA. Just uh, So I wish them all well. I hope everybody stays healthy and it works out great and all the fans that do like it enjoy it. But uh, as Connor said about college football earlier, I'm going to echo his sentiments with the NBA. I, just, I don't care. <laughs> so – Getting to Connor's tweets this morning, tweets uh, regarding his ACC preseason predictions, first, second, third team, and then, of course, individual awards. Um, you have, as a top tier, Virginia, Duke, and North Carolina in the ACC, all of which I agree with. I think Virginia's probably one of the top three teams in the nation, as we discussed earlier. What's, uh, I, I think, obviously, the, the decision by Jay Hoff, who you also have as a first team member and your conference player of the year, which we'll talk about in just a second, you know, vaults them in from probably a top 25 team to a top three team. What, uh, you know, we've kind of discussed Virginia a little bit. What do you like about Duke? What do you like about North Carolina? Yeah, so uh, for Duke and North Carolina, I mean, it's, it, obviously every year it's all based on potential, right? We sure. saw how the kind of ship went down with North Carolina last year. Um, I do think, however, that the, that Matt Hurt staying for Duke and, and uh, Garrison Brooks for North Carolina gives them at least that one uh, fallback option that you know is going to perform to the level he's capable. Um, Virginia four in the country, and Virginia is part of that. Um, but I, I don't, uh, I don't think that they're that far behind. Uh, both are very capable of being in the top fifteen. Um, and so, I mean, I, I just like it. I, I have questions about how North Carolina is going to handle their front court because yep. it seems pretty crowded. Um, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of Walker Kessler. Yeah. It, unless, what, what, what was the uh, suggestion I saw a couple months ago? Garrison Brooks at the three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst idea. And, and North, I think we talked about this with Sean from uh, Making the Madness. Um, that is a terrible idea, and as soon as somebody suggested it, North Carolina fans were like, yeah, oh yeah, that's that's plausible, that can happen, That's that would be fine. And I'm like, no, absolutely no possible way is that okay. I mean, I'm not sure. That, that's the toughest position for me to predict <clears throat> to them, who they're going to start mm -hmm. at the three, but I, I can tell you that it's not going to be Brooks. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going back and forth on, on whether it makes sense for for Sharp or Baycott to, to start. Um, but I think that you, you're pretty much going to see Garrison Brooks is going to start at the four mm -hmm. and then you'll, you'll have love and Davis at the one and two probably. Um, and then we'll see who plays the three. By the way, I, I, lo I love Davis. I, I think Davis is going to be an absolute scoring machine. Maybe not this year, but eventually for North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and North Carolina is, I mean, Roy Williams is really good at that. He, unlike, Sashevsky uh, for Duke where he'll put together a different team every year and he never keeps those top players or if he does he'll keep them for one extra year and then they're gone um, Williams is really good at identifying talent that might not be NBA ready but immediately um, and kind of making these teams that have elite experienced talent on their roster in an age where elite talent tries to leave as soon as possible. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think that 
North Carolina is probably a little bit underrated, even though they're a top 25 team mm-hmm. on every top 25 I've looked at. I still think that they're not being given enough credit. Um, and it's probably because people have questions about Roy Williams. Which is, which is blasphemous, in my opinion. I mean, the man's won three national titles. You don't, you don't do that by being a bad coach. Um, for, uh, you have a, you know, next tier of three is Florida state, Georgia tech and Louisville. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I appreciate everybody, um, kind of putting some faith behind G tech this year. I think they have a good roster, especially one through four, the five spots, a little bit of a question mark. Um, actually it's not a little bit of a question mark. It's a big question mark for me. Um, <clears throat> I am like, I love Scotty Barnes. You have him on your first team as well in the preseason, um, MJ Walker as 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 the number two, you know, guy behind Barnes. I'm not sure about that. I do think Anthony Polite takes a step forward this year. I am not as big on uh, Balsa Koprovica as some others are, as far as his development goes. Um, Louisville is is interesting. I think obviously David Johnson is going to be the most improved player in that in that conference. T- tell me about these teams, what you like, and what your question marks are as far as uh, the Seminoles, the Jackets, and the Cardinals. Can you answer a question for me? I can. Who I can the hell starts? Who the hell starts at the one for Florida State? I, I think people are are giving them a lot of credit for where they finished <laughs> last year, mm-hmm. and they're looking at what they've done to replace Devin Vassell. Mm-hmm. But who replaces Forrest? Well, like, I guess it's Raquan Evans, but I just have no trust that they're going to have a steady point guard, which is why I put them in that second tier. Yeah. I mean, they're talented, but I just don't think that they have the point guard to, to return to that kind of top three, top tier of the ACC. I think, um, I think, I think Vassell is it's an easy choice. It's going to be Anthony Polite. He's going to start at the two. Um, Walker will start at the three, I'm sure. But honestly, I think at the one, and I, I've, Uh, There's Dirk. Um, I will say that having spoken to someone very much in the know about that program is that Scotty Barnes is going to play some point guard or a a vast majority of the point guard play is going to run through Scotty Barnes. And he has that ability. I think he's more of a a hybrid forward, but Barnes is going to handle the ball a good deal, I think, for Florida State. And that, I mean, that's my biggest concern for them is... I put a lot of stock in experienced point guard play, mm-hmm. um, and it, it tends to be what, what wins. I mean, all things equal, I think the point guard position is where experience matters the most yep. uh, in college basketball. And so if it is running through Scotty Barnes, uh, I, just, I, I think that they're going to be in trouble when it comes to playing teams that are at their caliber or better. Yeah, um, I think so too. I agree with that. I, I, I like. I, I, I think I've sold. I've spoken to you, or at least the Rock and Twenty Five. I liken the the loss of Trent Forrest from Florida State to that of when West Virginia lost Javon Carter a couple of years ago. I, th- I think it's that on that same caliber. And the next season, everyone was like, "Well, we just assume West Virginia is going to be good because Bob Huggins is a great coach, and they've been so good for so long that they're just going to be good." Florida State, uh, the love that I'm seeing of them in the preseason kind of makes me remember how West Virginia fell a little bit flat to open that, that next season. I believe they lost to Buffalo on the opening weekend. But that, that's kind of where I put Florida State right now. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where fans will always overvalue a player when he's on the team. And then as soon as he leaves, um, 
it's an easy replacement. And unless you're a Duke or a Kentucky, you're not going to easily replace anybody. Right. So I, I just, I, I do think that they are the, the best of the rest. Um, but I, I think people are giving them a lot of credit where uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm a little bit worried about them. Uh, George, uh, let me hop in here real quick. Sure. Connor, just, I didn't mean to interrupt you, buddy. Um, but going to your back to both y'all talking about Trent Forrest, if you look last year at Florida State, both Notre Dame games, the Syracuse game at home, all came down to the very end. And uh, who's where? who do you have uh, the balls in whose hands? It's your point guard. It's Trent Forrest. He won games for them late. Uh, and Florida State is one of those teams that, athletically, they're going to be superior. I saw them in person last year, and I was just blown away. But you need a guy like Trent Forrest at the end of the game to hand in the ball, calm things down, get everybody set. And really, to me, without Trent Forrest, they probably lose those three games and don't win the ACC last year. So I'm with both of you on Trent. The loss of Trent Forrest is going to be huge, in my opinion. Go ahead, Connor. Um, oh, for Georgia Tech and Louisville, I put them in. Which is scary. I, I'm not willing to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, the one I'm thing that I anticipate happening is being and eventually disappointed in Georgia Tech if they have high expectations. <laughs> uh, I'm not willing to go that far, but. I really do like uh, Jose Alvarado. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that they that Josh Pastner has become the willing uh, stepfather to all of USC's uh, <laughs> leftovers. Um, I, I think they have a good roster. Uh, I'm 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 not set on Louisville just because they've underachieved the yeah. past two years or disappointed somewhat the past two years uh, based on what they were expected to do to start the year. Uh, I do think that Charles Midland, for, for those on the East coast who haven't seen him play, he held his own against Gonzaga's wings last year. Yep. Um, and that should tell you all you need to know, but he's a solid scoring, uh, kind of guard forward hybrid. Um, and he, he can rebound the ball. Well, uh, plays very solid defense. So he's a good, uh, addition to that Louisville roster. Um, but he's not a Jordan Nora. Right. So he's going to be a step back if he starts. Uh, well, anyone's going to be a step back. But if Midland starts for Louisville, uh, he's going to be a, a step back. Their backcourt with Midland, Jones, and uh, David Johnson is going to be pretty solid. Um, I was going back and forth. I think the most improved player is going to come from Louisville. Uh, I was going back and forth between Malik Williams, who I know, Michael, you, you and I both, Love him, mm-hmm. uh, probably deservedly so. <laughs> That's true. Um, That's correct. I like his I like his but, measurables and his skill set, but sometimes they don't translate to on the court performance. Right, um, David Johnson. Uh, now that he's fully healthy, I, I think that he'll probably take that big step forward and be the star player for for Louisville. Um, and and having him along with two very solid grad transfers mm-hmm. uh, in that backcourt, I, I think their backcourt is one of, if not the best backcourts in the ACC. Yep. Uh, I just 
don't see a lot coming from that front court. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Chimp, I, you know, I caught a little bit of flack for having David Johnson as number 21 on my recently released uh, returning players in the ACC. Some people obviously think he's better than that. I, you know, I kind of defend that with Jonathan Warner that, you know, sure, he's talented. Yes, he's going to be good, but he has still averaged six points a game and can't shoot the ball. What are your thoughts on Louisville, Chimp? And, and you know, are, are you high on them, low on them, or where do they sit with you? Honestly, I really don't have any thoughts on Louisville. <laughs> I, when it comes to when it comes to, the, to, to this stuff, guys, I, I listen to you, Coach, mm. and I listen to Connor because I know you guys put so much time and effort, uh, and you guys pay attention a whole lot more than I do. So I'm not going to be throwing rocks at any of uh, y'all's statements. Sure. Um, but but the listening to you guys talk about Malik Williams. And knowing uh, the Johnson kid uh, has all the potential in the world, I mean, I, it's hard for me not to think that, that Louisville uh, maybe could be even in the top of this second tier that Connor has. Mm-hmm. And maybe possibly uh, if certain guys can step up and perform, even maybe get up into that, that first tier possibly. Yeah, I think that's that's rests solely on the shoulders of, of Radford transfer Carly Jones, who, you know, if he's – as good as he was um, at Radford, then yes, they could be elite. But you know that's a that's a big transition to transfer up that far and still be a twenty five and five guy. You know if he if he's thirteen three and three, I think that's a big win for Louisville. Um, jumping down to the next tier, you have Miami at seven, North Carolina State at eight, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Clemson, and Pittsburgh. Six teams in this third tier. Um, my thought real quick was, or, or my first thought, I guess would be, um, you know, Miami. And I think I'm, I'm a little bit higher on Clemson than a lot of people. I think Miami, Syracuse, and, uh, maybe Virginia tech could, could kind of move up into their own third tier and make the other three kind of a fourth tier. Um, if, if Alan Griffin is, is deemed eligible for Syracuse, that's obviously a game changer that would move them up in my rankings a little bit. North Carolina State does get Thunderbird back, but the loss of Markel Johnson, I think, is going to be just—it's going to be very impactful. Um, I, I love Jalen Cohen. I love Tyrese Radford for Virginia Tech. But Connor, tell me a little bit about this tier and what you're kind of looking for and looking at as far as these six teams go. Yeah, my um, the way I tiered them uh, is kind of where I could make easy lines where I had a clear cut, like I'm moving these three in, in that top tier mm-hmm. around those next three. Um, I do think that this tier was the hardest to put in order. Yep. Um, the, the fact or the, the finger cross fact that Miami will have Chris likes for a full ACC slate, hopefully mm-hmm. um, is the reason why I had them so high. I know they were seven and 13 last year, but they lost six of seven in games where Chris Likes didn't start. Um, and so if you take that out of the equation, they were seven and seven mm-hmm. uh, with him, which isn't great, but a, a 500 record in the ACC is tough and it puts you in kind of that middle area uh, of the ACC. Um, I, I just think that they have a, a good roster with a lot of senior uh, experience. And so, um, Jim Laranaga is a great coach. I think that he put together a top half finish in the ACC. Uh, I 
I agree with you that Markel Johnson is a huge loss for NC State. Um, but I, I, I do think that they have talent there yeah. that I like. Uh, DJ Funderburg being the crux of it. Um, they're going to have to improve their defense a little bit. Yep. But uh, I, I like that roster a lot more than I like Syracuse's roster without Alan Griffin. Right. Um, yeah. I said it last year, and I'll say it again. If Buddy Beheim is your top scoring option, uh, there's there's an issue there. Uh, he's a great, he's a solid scorer, but he's a solid second or third option. I, I don't necessarily think that he is a NCAA tournament caliber first option scorer. Um, if Joe Girard can take that next step and be that first option, uh, then that changes my mind a little bit. Um, but I just. I, I, I'm not as high, and I don't even know if people are high on Dolajai anymore. Um, but I think we've accepted I'm not that he's high. just solid. That's that's basically the yeah. the verdict on him. He he is a good player. Um, doesn't really move the needle one way or the other. Um, if Alan Griffin is eligible, uh, and I have him on on there, as you know, if he if he gets that waiver, I could easily see Syracuse being moved uh, either right behind or right ahead of Miami. Um, just because I think he does move the needle uh, a little bit more in Syracuse's favor. Um, the next three, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Pittsburgh, were tough because they're, they're, there's a lot of, I don't want to say unknowns, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of, of fit uh, for Virginia Tech specifically, fit questions that, that I want to see answered. Um uh, Jara is going to be good. I have them. I think I had him on my third team, yep. all ACC. Um, I think that he's going to be a fantastic addition. Uh, but I just, again, they're, they're, they're a team where now they have Jara and uh, Wabisa Bede, who I don't know um, if, if one of them is going, probably Jara is going to be the starting one. But. Uh, I just, I just don't know how these pieces are going to fit together. I don't know offensively how these pieces are going to fit together for Virginia right. Tech, and that's my biggest question mark. Um, Clemson, talent-wise, I'd have them probably a spot ahead. Um, I might have them ahead of NC State. My, uh, my rule with Clemson and Brown, Brownell is put them where you think they're going to be and drop them two spots. Um, <laughs> that's true. It's really I, I, I like the talent they have. Um, they have a very solid trio. Uh, again, I, I just don't know offensively how good they're going to be. Yeah. And um, the loss of Tevin Mack is, is kind of weighing hard on me because he was really their big offensive guy last year. Um, and so I'm just I'm, I'm waiting to see how good offensively that they're, they're going to be yeah, let before me, I'm willing to move them up. Let me jump in on Clemson real quick. I, I think that... One, Johnny Newman is going to take a huge step forward this year. I, like I said, I, I, I think I might have mentioned this with Brian when he was on last time. I, I, I'm higher on Clemson than maybe I should be because, again, just like you said, it, Brad Brownell and their performance, not great. I honestly think that the loss of Tevin Mack is not necessarily a bad thing given that it opens up a path for Johnny Newman the third. I really like him. I really like Alamir Dawes taking a big step forward in his sophomore year. I love their freshman power forward, P.J. Hall. And they get Sims back, who 
went from being a middle of the path three to being a very good small ball five last year. So, you know, I think Clemson has potential to be where you have them at 11, but they could also be up where you have Louisville at six, I think, if if Dawes does develop. I, I just, I, I really think Newman's going to break out this year uh, now that Mac is gone, but um, I can definitely see them see them at 11 as well, but carry on. Yeah, and, and this, you know, Miami through Pittsburgh was almost as close, if not closer to, for me than Florida State through Louisville. Yeah. Um, I could see two to two to three games being the difference between that seven spot and that 12 spot in the ACC, uh, just because it's really talented. I, honestly, I would say that top to bottom, if you're looking at the bottom of the conference, um, I, I like the ACC, or at least the bottom middle of the conference. I like the ACC a little bit better than the Big Ten. Obviously, the Big Ten has a much deeper top tier than the ACC does, but uh, or top two tiers. But I, I, you know, I even like Pittsburgh's roster a little bit um, to, to compete. Uh, they they lose McGowan's, they lose Murphy, but uh, the fact that they were able to keep uh, so much of their backcourt and their wings, their, their wings. Um, their, their defense is going to be the death of them. Yep. And so uh, if they can't figure that out, then I could see Pittsburgh sliding back a tier. Um, but they they have fewer question marks and just in terms of roster and who's going to perform than the bottom three for me. Yeah, I, you know, I was one of the wins I thought that Jeff Capel received immediately upon arrival at Pittsburgh was keeping Terrell Brown, who is a, you know, a, a, a shot blocking five. The problem was last year, he was made to look incredibly soft on multiple occasions. Um, you know, when trying to defend the block, he's a, he's a, a good help side shot blocker, but as far as one-on-one on the block, he got pushed around a whole lot. Eric Hamilton became the better option at the five position. He's obviously no longer there. He's a grad transfer. So Pittsburgh loses a lot in the front court, unless Terrell Brown can, can, can toughen up both physically and mentally. I see them, you know, he's still going to have his fair share of block shots, but he's not incredibly, you know, dependable as far as defensive ability other than help side defense. Um, I do absolutely love Justin Champagne. He's one of my favorite players in this entire conference. You have him on the third team, which I think is is about right, um, given where Pittsburgh's probably going to finish. Um, and, you know, his, his, his efficiency numbers may take a bit of a dive, I think, in his sophomore season as they lean on him a little bit. Um, going down to your last tier, Notre Dame at 13, Boston College at 14, Wake Forest and Steve Forbes first season at 15, finishing last. Um, my thoughts, I think out of these three, the most potential would be Boston College, but only if Winston Tabs is the player he used to be before having a couple surgeries and missing basically a season and a half. What, you know, who has any optimism as far as these last three teams? Um, both Boston College and Notre Dame, I think. Um, I've heard Notre Dame fans talk a little bit too high on Cormac Ryan, for my liking. Uh, he, he was a Stanford transfer. Uh, I got to watch him a ton. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he's going to be as reliable as they think he's going to be. Um, but if you have Prentice Hub, uh, running the point and Juan Durham uh, at the five. I mean, you've got at least the core that you need to then kind of 
choose, pick, you know, pick and play the, the, the players that you want to play and figure out how to put together a competitive roster. Um, I agree with you. I think Boston College probably has the most talent of these three. Uh, they, they have uh, Jay Heath returning. Um, they've got a lot of good transfers that are eligible now. They have, what, four grad transfers, I think? Yeah, and um, all of them in the front with, court. Yeah, or most of them in the right, Along with uh, Ashton Langford and um, yeah, Winston Tabs uh, hopefully being healthy. I think if, if they can all fit together well, I think that this is, again, I think they could move up and Pittsburgh could move back. It's it's um, it's going to be interesting to see how it how it all fits together. Wake Forest honestly could be at a, a tier all their own uh, at the bottom. Yeah. I don't have any confidence that they're going to be competitive just based on their roster. Yeah. Uh, now I think Steve Forbes is the reason why I flipped them up into the same tier as Notre Dame and Boston College. He's an excellent coach, um, and I believe I could be mistaken, but. Uh, Davian Williamson is pursuing a waiver, correct? He should. I mean, he, he suffered through a coaching change and then followed his coach to his hometown. So, I mean, it should be an easy choice or an easy decision. Right. If, if he's eligible to play, um, it won't make them competitive with the top or the top middle of the ACC, but at least they'll have a much more solid um, backcourt or at least a backcourt that you can rely on to put some points on the board. So I, I don't like Wake Forest. I think they're the clear bottom team in the ACC. Um, but I, I think that with Steve Forbes coming in, uh, they have a lot of promise for the future. Going to, we'll go down through the individual awards, um, one I want to talk about in particular, and then I will give you over to the chimp so he can put you in the bonus. Um, player of the year, you have Jay Huff. Uh, freshman of the year, Caleb Love at UNC. Defensive player of the year, Stefan Mitchell, I think is a great pick. Um, Stefan Mitchell may be one of the most underrated players in the entire country. Uh, most improved, David Johnson, seems to be pretty unanimous among anybody that puts a list together regarding the ACC. Uh, six man, you have insert UNC front court player here. Um, I, I agree with that. I think um, I am interested to see... Especially like uh, you know Bubba Parham at G Tech as a six man. If they if they perform well, uh, he may have a chance. Um, Syracuse, you know uh, Quincy Garrier. If he doesn't start, they may have a chance. Um, any one of uh, Clemson's you know backcourt kids could come in and shoot if they if they take a step forward. So I, I agree with you know the the secondary break the way UNC plays um, probably favors them. I would also put uh, Duke's Wendell Moore in that six man conversation as well. And then Coach of the Year Tony Bennett, which is probably a, a, a somebody you can just plug in every year until he either decides to leave for another job or retire. The one I want to talk about the most I think is. Freshman of the year, Caleb Love. Um, I've seen, you know, obviously YouTube tape on him or whatever, and he's a very dynamic player, very passionate player. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think he's going to play the one at, at UNC. I'm um, going to have the ball in his hands a lot. I'm not sure if I like him for freshman of the year over Jalen Johnson of, um, of of Duke, but uh, what do you see in Love specifically that, that makes you so high on him? I know you mentioned him earlier, but what do you see – that, that makes you kind of put him maybe above where other people would put him? So uh, I'm going to caveat that. I actually think Jalen Johnson's probably a better player than Love. Mm -hmm. um, 
it'll show. I think the reason why I went with Love over Johnson is because I am still, I think Johnson's stats will be, will suffer from the amount of scoring that Duke's going to have to share around um, on the wing, in the backcourt, um, and, and from the bench. I think where Caleb Love benefits is he, for me, is the clear point guard for UNC. Um, most of their talent depth is in that front court. And so, really, I mean, he, in the backcourt, he has to share the ball with R.J. Davis. And I think with the ball in his hands so much, um, and probably more than Jalen Johnson, I just think he's going to have the stats uh, that is, that's going to make it so that he wins. I also think that the UNC ship is going to go where Caleb Love takes them. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think that they're a top 15 team, I think that he's going to be a player that's going to be one of the reasons that they are there. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think that, especially with the amount of talent that Duke has and, and just the, the, where they're going to have to share the ball. I'm not sure. I had Jalen Johnson there initially. I just, I don't necessarily think his stats are going to be as um, godly, I guess, as Caleb Love's. I think Caleb Love's going to have statistically a fantastic year. Yeah, I would agree. I I love, he's a, he's a kid that likes to get downhill. For those of you who haven't seen him, he's just uh, dynamic, I guess is the best way to put him. I think, um, you know, in, in a way that maybe more conducive to, uh, team victories than maybe Cole Anthony's game was. Um, when this kid gets downhill and gets into the lane, he's looking to put you on a poster. He's just incredibly fun to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Chimp, are you ready to put Mr. Hope in the bonus? Uh, if Mr. Hope is ready, <laughs> then I am ready. I I am ready as I'll ever be. So. <laughs> now, I need a little update here. Uh, when are your upcoming nuptials? Um, they are in March, so we're, yeah, we're, we're hoping that everything's calmed down by then, but yeah, it's March, end of March of 2021. Well, I uh, I had to ask that question because some of the questions pertain to that, and I did not want to offend you with any of these questions (laughs) before we get started. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, we can get going. Are you ready? I am, I am ready. All right, question number one. He is made about the lives of you and your good pal, Brian Ralph. What is the title of the movie, and who plays you, and who plays Mr. Ralph? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say uh, I, I'd go with Pinky and the Brain. Um <laughs> With, with with Brian obviously being the brain, um, and who plays us? Jeez, uh, that's a tough one. Um, now, I, I, Connor, let me say something. I've come up with somebody for each of you, and Coach, I expect you, I expect you to come up with somebody for each of them, so go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I would say... Uh, Taylor Lautner... For Brian and um, bearded Chris Evans for me. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> now, here's who I came up with for you, uh, Connor. I was very kind. I said Josh Dumal or Joel McHale. How does that sound? Joel, Joel McHale is more accurate. Joel McHale would be it. I, I did not even think of him. Joel McHale <laughs> and for And for Brian, I came, with, uh, came up with a young Dustin Hoffman. How about that? <laughs> That's only question number one. (laughs) Uh, All right. uh, Question number two. This one's much, much easier. For $100,000, somebody's going to hand you $100,000 if you do one of these two things. You have to pick. Would you rather move to Starkville, Mississippi and live for a year or be a BYU cheerleader for a year? Isn't isn't a hundred thousand dollars fuck you money in Mississippi? Uh, yes, yes, it is. That is correct. Yeah, so that that's an easy one. So you're going to Mississippi. I got to point out that I'm going to Mike Leach coaching football in Starkville at this point is also a, a positive to to go there and watch football. That's a good point. <clears throat> so that was that was an easy one. All right, question number three. <laughs> Excuse me. It's getting. It's basketball program. Who would you root for? Wait, what? What was the question? Uh, if Gonzaga, Chimpy, there. Are you losing him? Yeah, I'm losing him as well. Chimpy, still with us? I heard Gonzaga, and I heard basketball program root for. Yeah, if, if uh, the the question I believe is if Gonzaga lost its or folded its basketball program, who would you root for? Chimp, you still with us? Hold on, guys. Let me pause and see if I can get him back. Sorry about the uh, technical difficulties, guys. We are back. Um, go ahead and go with uh, question number three, Chimp. All right, question number three. If Gonzaga dropped its basketball program, what team do you root for? So the easy answer, I grew up a UConn fan. Um, my, my mom went to UConn. I grew up in Connecticut, um, loved watching them. So that's the easy answer. If I'm going with a, a non-familial familial answer, um, I, I've had a strange affinity for Holy Cross. Uh, they're always kind of the team that I, I play with in video games and, and root for as a joke. Um, so I'd be a Holy Cross fan. Very interesting answer. Very. Uh, good answer. Question number four. And now we're getting into the to your uh, to the to the marriage aspect of things here. Okay. All right. What would your fiance say is your most redeeming quality, and what would she say is an area that you definitely need to work on? <laughs> oh, she's sitting right here. This is going to be tough. Um, <laughs> yes. I think she'd say my most redeeming quality is probably that I cook dinner every night. And um, my area where I can improve the most is doing things like turning off lights and uh, locking doors and stuff like that. Um, so those, those would be the two. I, I think, uh, but by and large, cooking dinner every night is probably the most redeeming quality in her eyes. I mean, probably if, would her around. if Alyssa uh, wants to get on and tell us for herself, she's more than welcome to do so. Oh, yeah. Do you want to get on and tell him for yourself? She doesn't. She, shook, she nodded about the cooking, though. So I was on the right track. 
I was going to say the cooking forms is absolutely huge. That, that's big time. All right, question number five. When you hear the term honeydew, do you think of a lip or do you think of a melon? I mean, I, I instantly think of a of a melon. Um, <laughs> that's all going to change, my friend. Oh, oh, it's already changed, but it's my still my my mind still goes to the melon. Very good. All right, question number six. This is a little bit of a weird one, Connor. As if the first right. five had been weird. Right. What is one conspiracy theory that you absolutely believe to be true? Ooh. Um, you mean besides Jeffrey Epstein, right? <laughs> or is that, is that beyond the conspiracy? Um, I, I would say the one that I absolutely believe to be true is, oh, geez. Um, I, I think the, the theory that, uh, toothpaste manufacturers have started to make their, uh, the heads of toothpaste bottles or tubes larger so people use them faster so they can sell more. Um, <laughs> I think that's pro- absolutely true. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if that's a conspiracy theory or not, but uh, outside of Jeffrey Epstein, that's the one where I think it has a lot of merit to it. Um, I wasn't. I hadn't even thought of the whole toothpaste thing. Yeah, You'll yeah. have me thinking about that until midnight tonight. <laughs> All right, I saved the best question for last. Question number seven. A judge issues a court order, and it says you must name your firstborn one of these three names. Are you (laughs) ready? Okay. Shemit Karnowski Hope, DeMontis Sabonis Hope, or Rui Hachimura Hope? Um. I, I, I'm going to go with, with Shemit Karnowski just Absolutely. because I think Absolutely. PK Hope is, is a, a much easier name to, to get across than the initials of the other two. Um, so, uh, plus he's the winningest uh, player in college basketball history. So, uh, we, we only go with winners in my family. So, PK Hope, I was going to put Corey Kispert in there, but that would have made it way too easy. I think. <laughs> no, because that, that's that's a normal a normal uh, name for an American to have. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Connor, you were a great sport. You are now in the bonus. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Chip. Connor, I thank you for taking the time to join us on a uh, on a Wednesday evening. Um, go uh, go cook dinner for your bride to be. And uh, I'll, I'll see you around, and I look forward to the next time I have you on the ACC Basketball Report. Yeah, no, thanks, thanks for having me on. Um, I look forward to the next time I can come on and, and get grilled by you guys. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it's time for me to go cook some Korean short ribs. All right, everybody follow Connor on, uh, on Twitter at CondorianFM. Chimp, any parting, any parting thoughts? Um, no, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And uh, as I said, Connor was a great sport and uh, I look forward to having him on again. All right, guys, signing off. I thank you for joining me. This has been the ACC Basketball Report. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.